Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. to worship with us today. So whether you're joining us here in person at Kentucky Trail or on Church Online, get up on your feet. We want to worship our God this morning with a new song that we'd like to introduce to you today. It's called Holy Water, and it is just the story of God's redemption for us. And so if you know it, sing it out. Put your hands together and lift up God this morning. God, I'm on my knees again. God, I'm begging, please.
Let's give it up for God this morning. It's how sweet is that forgiveness, that grace that he gives us. First Chronicles 5.20 says they cried out to God during the battle. He heard them and answered their prayer. So let's cry out to God this morning as we worship.
before you. He's fighting for you. And no matter the battle you're facing today, when you follow Jesus, you can know he has already won the victory in you today because of what he's done on the cross for us. So we're going to lean in one more worship song about our good God and how on the cross he fought death, hell, and the grave for us. So lean in, lift him up. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin Lost without hope with no place to begin Your love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested and my life began Ash was redeemed, only beauty given a name. My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested and my life began. Oh, your grace so free washes We know how this story ends. Let's give it up for Jesus this morning.
forever, amen. When death was arrested in my Come on, sing it with us. The creator of heaven, the creator of the universe, he gave up everything. He came to spend time on earth. He was killed. He was resurrected. And he did that all for a reason, because he finds value in you. And he did all that because he loved you. And so that freedom is so precious. That freedom is so important. And I love this verse. Check this verse out real quick. It's 2 Corinthians 3.17. This is how we get our freedom. It says, now that the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Can I tell you? I don't know if you guys can feel it. I feel it. The Spirit of God is here on this house today. So give it up for God one more time. Man, what a worship set. That is so awesome. It's way, it's just, man, when you feel the Spirit moving, it is so cool. And if you guys haven't experienced that freedom, wait till the end of the day. You will be presented with the freedom that God has for you in your life. So I want to welcome you guys to real life. The snow is clear. Did you guys survive the week? Everything's good. The roads are clear. Hey, before you guys take a seat, I want you guys to welcome and help me welcome another awesome group that is with us today, and that is Real Life Online. Can we give them a huge round of applause? We are so excited that you're with us, Virtual World Online. We get, uh, just awesome that you guys are worshiping with us as well. Hey, before you guys sit, go ahead and turn around, smile somebody, wave, fist bump, do something. Man, what an awesome time in God's house today. Hey, if you're new with us at Real Life today, this is your first time, can I let you guys know that you are our honored guest, and we are so excited that you're here with us today. And one of the things we, I, we want you to know is we want something for you. We don't want anything from you. And the best way we can do that is just let us know that you're here today. And you can do that by texting RLNEW to 97000. We won't have anybody show up at your door. We'll just have somebody reach out to you over the phone. Their whole job is just to answer any questions you might have, just resource you any way that we can. And we just really want you guys to know that God cares about you and we care about you. If you haven't had a chance to hang out with us, come stop by right after this gathering at the New Year booth. We've got a gift for you. We would love to hear a part of your story and we would love to share with you what God's called us to do to be on mission here at Real Life. And I would really like to encourage you. Here would be my challenge. Give God three weeks, because I don't know how you walked in today, what freedom that you're, you're, you're needing, because if you've got shame, you've got burdens, you've got guilt, I don't know who you are or what you're dealing with, but I know that I've been there, and I know that you've been there, and we know that God has something big for you. So give God three Sundays. Give God the next three weeks to change your life. He'll show up. He'll bring the purpose that you've been looking for your whole life, and it kind of feeds out of who we are. 
It's what our mission is. We say that we live on mission here in real life. It's to see people far from God discover their real life and purpose in Jesus. We really believe that. It's not just a saying that we've got. We truly believe that God's something. God has something for each person here. God has a call on your life, and he's called you to something bigger than what you're probably living for right now. And you can be a, a world changer in that purpose that God has for you. So again, we are so excited that you're here. Be on mission with us. And you guys are blessed to be able to hear a part of a new series from an awesome speaker. And we just know that God's going to use it because we all come in with shortcomings. Let me get real with you guys for a minute. You guys ever feel like you failed? Is that you today? You ever feel like you've been discouraged, overwhelmed? You don't know where to go to next? The struggle's real, right? And it's an everyday struggle for a lot of us. But I want you guys to know that it is not a struggle without hope because there's something within you and that's God and the God calling you in your purpose. So as I, as I told you just a second ago, awesome speaker. I've got the honor and the privilege to introduce for the first time our new Next Steps pastor, Brian Hoover, who is gonna bring a, a word today. And he was challenging the first gathering and I know he's gonna be the same way in this gathering. And the reality is, is that he's gonna bring a practical word just from the stories of his life. And if you haven't had a chance to meet Brian and his wife, and they've got an awesome, just an awesome testimony to how God has moved in their life. He's on mission. His family's on mission. They're living for God. They love real life. So I can't wait for you guys to be challenged by Brian's word today on how to win the struggle behind the struggle. As he comes up, can you guys give a huge round of applause to Mr. Brian Hoover? Hey, uh, I was told to say this. How about those Halloween donuts, right? Hey, thank you. Special thanks to Josh for bringing those. Yeah, anybody else uh, excited for those donuts this morning? They're really good. If you haven't got one, make sure you get one before you leave. Hey, I want to say a special thank you uh, for Sean and Diane. They are just tremendous people. Uh, they're just uh, what makes this church go. And uh, God is just awesome working through them. They've been a special blessing to me in my life, uh, helping us stay here and, and be a part and uh, allowing me to be, you know, coming on this team as a Next Step pastor. And I'm excited to see what the future holds for Real Life Church. I'm excited about being the Next Step pastor and just seeing what God can do through me to empower you guys to live out the mission of Real Life Church. I'm so excited for it. I hope you guys can get behind it and get excited too this next year. Well, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about my family, just uh, so you can get to know me a little bit. Hey, if you have your phones out or whatever, find me on Facebook, find me on Instagram, let's connect, talk to me, ask me questions, I'm here for you. Um, so go ahead and do that. But yeah, my wife, I'm a big family of seven. And uh, like Pastor Sean said, we went from 17 to 22 kids in the staff family just because of me. So there you go. My wife, I've uh, been married to her for 16 years. Her name is Mandy Hoover, the love of my life. Give it up for her. Yeah, we met at Bible college. It's actually the first day we get into college. They have movie night on the lawn, and we introduced each other, became really good friends. But it wasn't until a little bit later, a year or so later, that um, we had a big college uh, party thing for BBC, and we had a, uh, it's called a dating game. Anybody remember the dating games back then? Yeah. So they had a dating game, and I was that guy that all these girls wanted, right? No, but it was fun. Uh, so I was that guy, and so all these girls were playing the dating game to go on a date with me and stuff, and my wife, she won and lost at the same time. 
So this is what happened. What took place is that we were in this dating game, got to the final two, and the lady, there's two ladies, my wife and another one, and the host of the team said, Mandy, sit down. You didn't make it further. This is the winner. And it was this other lady. And then two hours later, the host came to me and said, hey, I totally messed that up. It was actually Mandy who won that. So we're going to give you two dates. Have fun, man. And so the rest is history. And we have been happily married for 16 years. All right. Yeah. Give it up. Give it up. Uh, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about my kids. My, uh, my first one is Holly Hoover. She is 13 years old. She is in that teenager stage. She loves cheerleading and she loves gymnastics. She's part of the SCA cheerleading squad there. My son Bryson, he's 10 years old. He is a mini-me spitting image. Uh, he is adventurous. If I were to say, let's go jump out of a plane, he would come along beside me and do it. That's just who he is. He loves sports. He loves math. He's really good at it. And then Hayden, he is seven years old. He is a mama's boy. And if you could see, he's laying down on mama right now. All right. He is a perfectionist, and he takes after his brother. He loves his brother, and he loves math and loves sports as well. He is the guy that will be the UFC fighter later on in life. All right. He's a beast mode cowboy. Don't mess with him. He'll beat you up type mentality. That's just the way he is. All right. And then we have Blair. She is five years old. She is my oddball, just in the fact that she is left-handed. Do we have any left-handed people out here? All right. We got a few. We got a few. All right. She loves making friends. She is a good talker to people and love making friends. She loves doing puzzles. And then I got my last one. She is two years old. Her name is Evelyn, and she is so precious to me. For 12 years, my wife was able to be a stay-at-home mom. And for the first time in my life, I was allowed to be a stay-at-home dad to invest in this kid in two years old. We'll see how that goes later on in life. All right, a little bit about myself and call and ministry. Um, it was the summer of 2002. I graduated high school in 2000. In the summer of 2002, my home pastor was just like, hey, we need a leader in our youth group. Why don't you do it for a summer? I'm like, okay. And so I, I, I did it. You know, I tried it. And God just really opened my eyes. And this is what I call my true calling, was where God opened my eyes to see the potential that he could do through me to impact God's kingdom and, you know, took the youth group from 5, 10 kids all the way up to 40 kids. And it was that summer that I realized, hey, I'm going to surrender. And I went to Bible college in 2002, graduated in 2006. My first job was in Decatur, Illinois, as a youth and music guy. My wife led the choirs there. And uh, so I was, I was there for until 2010, and then I resigned. And then I was going back to uh, trying to find a ministry position. In the meantime, we wanted to live with my father-in-law. That's an awesome thing, by the way. Yes, living with father-in-laws. But so we went to go live with him, and he was the associate pastor at that time at a church uh, in Norfolk, Nebraska. And I emailed the head pastor guy, and I said, hey, we're going to be in town for a little bit. If you want me to volunteer help out with youth, I, I'm, I'm available until I find my next ministry job. He called me the next day, and he said, hey, if you're going to step out in faith, we want to step out in faith in you, and we want to hire you. And it was, it was a God thing that just worked out. And so I became the youth pastor in 2010 there, but it grew into helping with worship. My wife was the worship director at that church. And then in 2013, I became the family pastor. I, I worked with young kids all the way up to young adults and coordinated life groups and stuff. And then in 2015, my lead pastor at that time went and started a church somewhere else, and my father-in-law became the head pastor, and I became more of an associate pastor over everything, and I got a lot more experience in preaching more. But it was in 2017 when things started to change. And I felt in my heart 
that God was telling me to pray a certain prayer. And I, I'm just going to say this to you. Don't pray this prayer unless you're ready. But I prayed a prayer and I, because I had it pretty good. Everything was going well, and I've seen people, and they were just, you know, something happened in their life, and they'd either fall away from their faith, lose their faith, or whatever it may be. But I didn't want to be that guy, so I, I prayed this prayer. God, challenge my faith. In 2017, I started praying that prayer, and I prayed it for three years. In 2020, God did just that. And similar to Pastor Sean's situation and what he went through, I, what I thought was going to happen didn't happen. I entered the season of struggle in my life. You know, kind of like the Chiefs entered the struggle in the second half of the AFC championship game. It just did not happen. Can I just get a raise of hands? How many of you are still hurt from that? Anybody else? Yeah. Just so you know, I moved on to the Royals. I'm starting Royal stuff now. Chiefs is gone, right? All right. But here we are, June of 2020, I had to start looking for new ministry opportunities, and it was a struggle. And just like Sean said last week, I went through all those emotions and different attitudes that I had. In January of 2021, I resigned from the church, still struggling to find ministry positions. And finally, having a rough couple months, January and February, in March, I looked on the website and I saw a music teaching position. I said, honey, Nothing's working to my end. Why don't you just try it? And she applied for the music teaching position at Summit Christian Academy. And within three weeks, she got the job. And God said, clear as day. It's time to move. Let's go. God will work things out in his own time. And so we moved, and uh, Sean and Diane just took us in and helped us when we were looking for houses. We stayed with them, and they're just a testament to what this church is all about. It's about helping other people and growing other people. Amen? Amen. And so I got reconnected with Sean and Diane and moved in June 2021. This morning, as we dig into God's word, I have a question for you. The question is this. What is your struggle when it comes to the season of life you're in right now? You know, my favorite verse is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. It says this, For everything there is a season a time for every purpose under heaven. And it goes on and talks about the different seasons in our life. But yet God has made everything beautiful in its own time. And when it comes to seasons of life, sometimes it feels like we're either coming out of a tough season, in the middle of a tough season, or going into a tough season. And no matter what season you may be going through right now, there are often struggles that come with it. And when we're talking this morning, we're talking about a guy that if you look through, I can't find anyone in the Bible who had more struggles than Moses himself. And if you, we read along in this story, you realize that his struggles are a lot like our struggles. We struggle with the same thing. And it even started at an early age for Moses as he was put in a basket and thrown down a river. As a baby, he had struggles. And we see Moses being raised by Egyptians and pharaohs. He was a Hebrew. But one day he looked out into his people and he saw that there was his own people and they were getting beaten and, and, and punched and just persecuted and he didn't like it. And so he tried to take matters in his own hand and he, acts, you know, he, he killed an Egyptian and was caught in the act 
And he was afraid, so he fled for his life. And that's where we see him just tending sheep, his flock, working with his father-in-law, Jethro. And then he looked over. He saw a burning bush. And everybody knows the story about the burning bush and what's going on. But ultimately, God said this to Moses. Moses, I want you to go to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let them go. Moses, I'm sending you on a rescue mission for my people. And so that's where we're at. And this is where we're going to dive in this morning. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 13, we see Moses talking to God. He had some hesitations. He had some protests. He had some struggles that he had to just talk out with God. He was very bold with it. And so we see here in Exodus 3.13, Moses protested and said, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, What is his name? Then what should I tell them? See, if you look at this question, it's a basic question. But the real realization is that there's a struggle going on with this question that Moses asked. The struggle is Moses is in fear of what others think of him. The struggle with being accepted by his own people. How many of you here this morning can just just say, you know what? I struggle sometimes with what other people think of me. I struggle with being accepted. Sometimes I struggle of trying to fit in, going back to high school and, you know, trying to fit in and stuff like that. Even as adults, we struggle sometimes to just fit in. God's reply in Exodus chapter 3, you see this play out in 14, 15, and 18. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has uh, sent me to you. And check this out in verse 18. The elders of Israel will accept your message. God's saying, hey, I got you covered. They will accept you, Moses. But then Moses goes on. In Exodus 4, chapter 1, Moses protested again. Well, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? Again, there is a struggle going on in Moses' mind, and the struggle is saying, I'm not enough. I'm no one. I'm a nobody. I have the power to do nothing. I can't do anything. I wonder how many of you here this morning can feel that same struggle. Sometimes you have these thoughts that you're nobody. You're nothing. I don't have that power within me. I don't have the tools. I'm not experienced enough. I'm not talented. I don't have what it takes. You know, for me, I struggle with those thoughts sometimes because I'm considered a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. And so I'm struggling with those thoughts all the time. I'm not good enough because I don't have that one thing that I'm really, really good at. So those struggles happen. But here we are. Moses, or God's response was this. The Lord said to Moses, If they do not believe you and are not convinced by the first miraculous sign, which is the... He gave him a, a, stop, a staff, a rod that turned into a snake. Then they will be convinced by the second sign, which was the leprosy going into his shirt. And if they don't believe you or listen to me after these two signs, then take some water from the Nile River and pour it out in dry ground. And when you do, the water from the Nile will turn to blood on the ground. So God's saying this to Moses. Hey, I give you two signs. I'll give you a third sign. Hey, guess what? 
I give you all the power that you need for this rescue mission, Moses. I give you everything that you need. I will give you the tools in that toolbox for you. But here we go again. Moses, he just likes to go a little bit more. In Exodus 4.10, it says this. Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I have never been, and i not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied. My words get tangled. Moses is ultimately saying this. God, I got issues. I have insecurities in my life. I'm very self-conscious of what is going on. Maybe he's self-conscious about his past of what happened when he murdered someone. Like, he's got issues, right? That's what he's telling God. And I wonder if you could here this morning, say the same thing, right? We all have issues, amen? We all got issues. We all got insecurities. We all got self-conscious about something in our lives. Those struggles are real. I love God's response on this. Then the Lord asked Moses in verse 11 and 12, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see. Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. I mean, really think about this. This is God's terminology in the 90s. You ready? Duh, Moses. Duh. Isn't it I who made you? Like, I know who you are. I know your insecurities. I know your, your issues. I know you're self-conscious about this. But guess what? I made you. I know those. I got you. I got you covered. I will be with you. But here we go. Exodus 4.13. Moses again pleaded. <clears throat> Lord, please, send anyone else. The struggle that we see here is ultimately, God, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. There is someone better than me. I won't succeed. I will fail. God, send somebody else. I will fail. I cannot succeed on your behalf. And how many of you here can say this morning that there are times in life where we feel like failures because we keep failing, we fail, we fail, we fail, and sometimes that just weighs us down. And the struggle is real in our life. It's hard to see success attached to our name. Sometimes we struggle with that. But God is a good God. He's patient. He's gracious. Amen? He's very gracious to Moses at this point. And this is what God says in response in Exodus 4.15. He's talking about Aaron. He says, talk to him. Put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. God's answer is this. I will give you someone for you to keep accountable to. Like, I, I will give you someone that will walk beside you and lift you up, Moses. You can do this. You got this, Moses. Now, these are the struggles that Moses was going with, and a lot of those struggles are the same of ours. But what if I were to tell you something? What if I were to tell you that Moses could have avoided all these struggles? 
He could have avoided all the battling thoughts and things that were going in his mind. He could have, because the reality is there was a deeper struggle going on. The struggle behind the struggles. And a lot like us there, what we see on the top is rarely what's the issue. There's always an issue deeper. There's always an issue going way farther down, something beneath the surface, much deeper than the actions that we see. And so we hear, here it is on Moses. We see, we get a glimpse of the deeper issue with Moses at the very first protest that I skipped. It's the very first one. And this is what it says in Exodus 3, 10 and 11. It says, now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, said, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? This is the very first struggle. And I guarantee if Moses would have got this, all those other struggles would have went away. You know what the struggle is? The struggle is an identity struggle. Behind all those other struggles, it's an identity struggle. Nine times out of ten, our struggles that we have in our season stems from the struggle of identity. And here's the thing. Satan wants to warp your identity. He wants to rob you of the gifts, talents, passion, and desires that you have. He wants to drive away the things that he wants best for your life. Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to get for you to not have that identity in Jesus Christ. And he does this three ways. Satan does this three ways. He finds, sometimes we find our identity in possessions, power, or prestige. And I think about this word, possessions. And I think about Matthew chapter 19, where this rich man was going to Jesus and said, I want to follow you. I'm excited about this. I know the commandments. I know everything about you, Jesus. Let's go. And Jesus turns to him and says, hey, what I want you to do is go sell your position, possessions. Find me and come follow me. And the rich man did what? He turned away, sorrowful, because he had many possessions. His identity was in the wrong thing. When I think about power and prestige, I think one of my favorite pastors, Francis Chan, he wrote a book called Crazy Love, and I just love you know, what he did. And he, he talked about how he had a mega church and could have made millions of dollars and stuff like that, but he gave it all away. He didn't want it. Because his identity was in Jesus Christ. You know, he left the megachurch because his identity was in Jesus Christ. He left the megachurch because he didn't want all that power and prestige. He didn't want to be like a God. He wanted to do something different with his life. And so he left for a little bit and went overseas. He's back now. But, you know, all megachurches, you know, are not bad. These pastors are great. But for Francis Chan, he wanted something different. And you could see his identity in Christ show through. Power, possessions, prestige. Satan wants to put that in you. Here's another one that Satan does for our identity. He gives you a job. Jobs are good. God gives you jobs, okay? Let me just say that, okay? But a lot of times we put our identity, we find our identity in our job, our trade, something that we do. Can I just be real and honest with you? Pastors have that 
sometimes too. For me, I had my identity and a job. And when I lost my job, my faith was challenged big. I struggled because I put my identity in the wrong thing. Think about you this morning. Some of you have awesome jobs, great jobs. What if you were to lose that job? Do you find yourself struggling with identity and who you are in Christ? Or do you rise up and see the true self of who you are in Christ? Another way Satan turns things and how we find identity sometimes is in a label that we have. I've been in many counseling situations. A lot of times people just say, this is who I am. Nothing's going to change me. I'm stuck in my ways. And it's sinful a lot of times. I'm like, that's a label that you put on yourself. That's a label that other people have put on you. It's not the label that God has given you. God wants you to do something great for his kingdom. Why are we stuck in those labels? And that's what Satan does. He gives you labels that you live by. But there is a way that we should see ourselves. And if you don't get anything else this morning, I want you to get this. This is the big takeaway this morning. Check this out. This is about true identity. Your identity is found in a humble pursuit of trusting Jesus by being used by him to make a difference in people's lives. Did you get that this morning? Let me say that again. Your identity is found in a humble pursuit of trusting Jesus by being used by him to make a difference in people's lives. You want true identity, that's what it is. That's where it's at. Here's the thing, just like Moses, he struggled with identity. He didn't have it, but I tell you what, he had to find it and he did. So this morning, I'm going to give you four principles from God's word to find your identity. You want to find your identity this morning? These are the principles that you put in your life. Number one, don't let the circumstances of your life determine who you are, no matter what season you're in. Don't let the circumstances of your life determine who you are, no matter what season you're in. I'm going to be real. The season that I went through, the circumstances that I went through was rejection, 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 rejection. Over and over and over again. It was hard. My, my wife saw my struggle and she went out and reached out to her friend and told her friend the struggle that I was going through and just told her that Brian keeps getting rejection, 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 so many. And her friend spoke hope into my wife and my wife spoke hope into me as her friend said, no, 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 you need to go back and tell your husband this. Those are not rejection letters. Those are direction letters. Those are direction letters. God is not finished with you yet. Don't let the circumstances of your life determine who you are in Christ. Stop. Those are direction letters. And I thank God my wife came back and told me that. And it gave me a new perspective, gave me new hope. And realized the truth behind everything, that those circumstances that we're going through, God was just waiting, waiting for a direction. Don't let those circumstances of your life determine who you are. 
Proverbs 24, 16 says this, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. No matter where you're at this, no, this morning, no matter what struggles you have, get back up. Get back up, don't, don't stop. Don't let those circumstances get you down, get up. The Bible says, mercy is anew, every day is a new day. Get up. Number two, you gotta drop your labors, labels. Drop the labels that you have in your life. Craig Rochelle says this, the longer we carry a label, the less it describes our past and more it determines our future. Drop the label and allow your identity in Christ to define you. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. The Bible is very clear on this. If you belong in Jesus Christ, if you accepted Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, guess what? The Bible says you are new. The old is gone. Your past is gone. Tabula lasa, clean slate. You're fresh. You're new. You don't, you're not tied down to your past anymore. You don't have those old labels. You start fresh and new, and you get a hold of the label that God has given you. You got to drop your labels. Number three, live a humble life so God can work through you. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 says this. So to keep me from becoming proud, this is talking about Paul. I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment, torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord, take it away, take it away, take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weakness. So that, check this out. So that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, I am strong. Live a humble life so God can work through you. John 3.30 says this, He must increase and we must decrease. See, the only way that God can work through your life and that, let that identity shine is for us to get lower, for us to get less, and for him to go more in our life. The more you allow God to work through you, the more identity you find in him. Number four, by trusting Jesus wholeheartedly and allow him to use you to change people's lives. There's two steps to this trusting Jesus thing. The first one is all about eternity. Can I tell you right now that no matter where you're at in, in life, God loves you. He cares for you. He did so. He proved it. God said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants you to have eternal life through him. And the only way to do that is to trust in what he did for you. See, all of us are sinners, and we are saved by grace. It's nothing you could do. It's not about works. 
The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10 that if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again in the third day and let your mouth confession made known of salvation, you will be saved. That's all it takes. If you want to live a new life and start identity, true identity starts with accepting the truth about Jesus Christ and what he did on that cross for you. If that's you, I challenge you, take that first step. Just cry out to God. Say, God, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. I know I messed up. But I realize today that you're a God that loves me and wants me to live eternally with you forever. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again on the third day and you conquered death, right? All you have to say is this, I believe, I believe in you, Jesus. Come into my life and change me. And if you do that this morning, your life is forever changed. The second step if by trusting Jesus wholeheartedly and allow him to use you to change people's life is that it's for those that are in Christ. It's about growing in faith. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Right? No. Trust in the Lord with most of your heart, right? No. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. And I know that's hard to do because we live in a world that's all about us, right? Lean not to your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. One of the things I realized going through this season of my life that my identity was challenged because I didn't fully trust wholeheartedly in God's plan. You this morning, I challenge you to trust with your whole heart and allow him to use you to change people's lives. That's what we're about here at Real Life Church. The cool thing is this, you guys. What happens, think about that. What happens when you find your identity in Christ? And we see this happen with Moses. He found his identity in God in Christ. And you know what? He led 600,000 to 2 million people out of Egypt. He crossed the Red Sea. Miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Moses is created one, or called one of the greatest heroes of our faith in Hebrews 11. Moses did awesome, tremendous thing for God. Think about this. What will God do through you when you find your identity? What can he do through you? And I know you, some of you have someone in your heart that needs Jesus Christ more than ever. And maybe God gives you the opportunity to lead that person to freedom. Maybe you find your identity in, true, in Jesus Christ and you become that person that inspires others around you to do better. Maybe it's about helping other people in life groups. Guys, I've been on life groups for a while, life group coordinator and everything. There's no greater place than being in life groups and lifting people up and encouraging people and just being around people that are like you. We're broken people and we need people to just connect. Get involved in life groups. God can use you when you find that true identity in him. Maybe you've had a rough family heritage, generation, generation, generation. Maybe you could be the change finally 
when you find true identity, you could be the change where your kids, your grandkids, and your grandkids, great-grandkids, live in a life for Jesus Christ because you made the difference. You found that identity. Maybe your marriage will grow stronger and deeper, and maybe that identity in Christ makes you realize how you need to strengthen your marriage and have that intimacy more than anything else. It grows. Maybe you could be a salt and light to your job, the, the people around you, your neighbors and your friends. The sky is the limit when it comes to finding your true identity in Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. Putting your identity in Jesus Christ will be the greatest thing you can ever do. Go ahead and close your eyes this morning. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what you've been through, what you've gone through. But maybe some of you can relate. Relate to Moses' story, relate to our stories here at Real Life. How many of you can say, Brian, I have some struggles in my life. If that is you this morning, will you raise your hand? Yes, 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 yes. Hand, oh yeah, hands up all over. Got struggles, yeah. How many of you say, Brian, I'm realizing today that my identity has been in the wrong thing. Is any of you like that here this morning? And any of you raise your hands? Yes, yes. I see you. I see you. God sees you. Dear Jesus, I pray for these group of people that are here this morning. You saw their hands raised. You see their heart. You see what's going on inside. Lord, I pray today is a day that they make the change and realize the struggle behind the struggle is all about their identity and who you are and where it is. Lord, I pray they take the steps necessary to live for you. Lord, I pray that they don't let the circumstances of their life determine who they are. Lord, I pray that they could drop those labels. I pray that they can live a humble life so you could work through them. Lord, I pray that they ultimately trust you wholeheartedly and they find that true identity in you and make that life change. Lord, I pray for those individuals that don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior today. If that is you this morning, whether online or here in person, pray that prayer. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I believe with my whole heart what you did on that cross for me. Come into my life and change me. Did anybody say that prayer this morning? Did anybody in here, if, if you want to just raise your hand. Yeah. Dear Jesus, you're awesome. You're good. Thank you so much. And I pray that we leave here a changed life and seek out the true identity that you have for us. God, you're awesome and mighty God. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give those came to Christ today. Come on. I was going to tell Brian, uh, I've got so much positive stuff to say about this message and what God's done and bringing you here. But I'll just say I was just truly blessed by what you said. And I think everybody here is just shaped and challenged by that. So come on, give Brian a hand. Let him know you love him. 
was thinking about what you said, the direction letters, and I'm honestly really glad because <laughs> God brought you here to us. And so we accept you, man, and excited to see what God's going to do in your life and really through you to our church. So give it up for Brian one more time. Come on. This is a good word. Got a whistle from Jody. I like that. Man, well, a couple next steps. If you start a relationship with Jesus today, can I just say welcome home, welcome to the family, and uh, we want to help you on your next steps and help you get connected and plugged in. And we've got a gift for you on the way out. There's a red bag. It's got a Bible. We've got some next steps. Uh, but more importantly, if you're online in person, we'd love to know about your decision. We'd love to connect with you, just encourage you and help you find that, uh, that next path and uh, just give you some celebration and bring you into the family. So if you let us know, just text RL next to 97000. Let us know you made that decision, and we're here, here for you. Uh, here, care for you, love on you, and just uh, help that next step. Uh, for everybody, I've got a couple things I think are really, really important for you today. Uh, number one is this, and I believe this is one of the best ways to really get your identity in Jesus, to really find out who you are, is really get unplugged from the world. Uh, just pull yourself out of the normal mundane, the routine, good, bad, ugly, whatever, and get plugged into the things of God. And we're doing something very special this time. We're going on a missions trip, Bogota, Colombia, South America. I encourage you to be part of this trip. You know, for so many people I've talked to who said, man, I, I've never been on an international missions trip. I've never done this. I've always wanted to do it. And uh, I'll tell you, this is your opportunity. And maybe you've been on trips before, and that's great. We've got about eight people coming right now. We've got room for 15. Love to fill the trip, and here's why. Because your view of God gets so much bigger when you see God move on a global platform, a global scale. I mean, you get unplugged from our culture and plugged into a different culture, and you can see, and you can smell, and you can taste, you can feel the presence of God. You just get unplugged from all the other mundane routine. You can see what God's doing. Your view gets huge. It's kind of that John 3, 30, he must increase, I must decrease. Every time I go on a trip, that, that's literally what happens in your life. You're like, whoa, it's just not about me. And so be that part of the, be the hands and feet of Jesus across the world. It's really unforgettable. We're going to help a church out there. They're going to launch uh, a discipleship ministry, a sports ministry, uh, after-school program, and, and really just get immersed in that culture for a week. So I would encourage you, $1,600. If you're curious at all, reach out. You can sign up on the events page. Just let my wife know that you're interested. And uh, what's really cool is we got a couple people in the church that are families that are willing to sponsor people to go on the trip, but there's just nobody to sponsor. Come on, somebody. Isn't that a good problem to have? And what's cool about it is, I love about these people's hearts, because they know the difference God's going to make on the trip. And so we're actually in a really great position to invite some more people that maybe don't have the means to go, uh, don't make money an issue, be a part of this like six months out, okay? And I just encourage you to say yes to that. I know so many of you have been in that boat where you said, man, I'd love to go, I've never gone. This is a great opportunity. This is one of those partnerships we're going to have for a long, long time where we keep sending people down there. So maybe you can't make this trip, no pressure, but just ask God if he's speaking to you. I mean, just say yes to him, and God's going to make a way for this to happen. So I'm encouraged, encouraging that. Second thing is this, is we can help other people find freedom, uh, find their identity uh, through generosity. Uh, there's a verse in the Bible that says this, 2 Corinthians 9, 11. It says, you'll be enriched in every way so you can be generous on every occasion. I love this, that God gives us blessings. He enriches our lives so we can be a blessing to somebody else. So be generous to help other people just like these people are sponsoring people on trips. We can bless somebody. And I love this, what happens when you give. It says, through us, this is Paul and, and, uh, and other leaders in the church said, your generosity will result in thanksgiving of God. Every hand that was raised today is because you guys have given, Amen. And every person that has been shaped today by the Spirit and every person that goes to youth group and their life has changed and God moves in them and people find freedom and in life groups and the Hope Center because you guys made the way. You paved the way with generosity. And our church is fully supported uh, by your guys' donations. You guys did an incredible job with this. And I would encourage you, if you're new with us, man, church is free. So I'm not really preaching at you, talking to you. But if you call Real Life Home, I would encourage you, man, get on board with this. God's blessed you to bless others. And maybe it's just being spontaneous today or maybe it's just being strategic. And uh, it's just something God does. 
does. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of the generosity that God has in front of us. And so there's three ways to give. You can go online, webchurchkc.com. You can text any amount to 84321, or you can give in a giving box in the back. But I encourage you to be a part of this and make, see the difference you guys are making. Uh, third thing is this. is probably the most important step you can take today to find freedom. And so our life groups, they're live online right now. They launch next Sunday. And I want to encourage you to check out this video and get signed up for a group. Check it out. here with my hands in my pockets like this. <laughs> if it weren't for life groups, I would still be being my introverted self, sitting at home, binge watching Star Trek. My name is Joel Smith, and I got connected to life groups basically through running my own life group. If anybody knows anything about me, they know that I'm not the most extroverted person, so I kind of avoided the whole life group thing for a while until I was asked to host my own. At first I was thinking, why would I of all people <laughs> host a life group? Because it wouldn't really be my thing, but I feel like God was kind of just pushing me to, to do it. And I guess I was just hoping to be able to serve more of a purpose than just showing up on Sunday and you know just doing the typical Sunday routine of just being there and singing the songs and then just going home and spending the rest of the week not doing anything else. And leading life groups was the answer to that. I just felt like I was getting more connected with people. I mean, especially when you're on the dream team, I feel like Sunday you spend so much time just running around and you know getting stuff set up and you don't really have a whole lot of time to socialize with people and kind of make those connections. And that's what life group's all about is that's an opportunity for you to really get to know people outside of the church setting. I mean, what has God shown me through life groups? I think it's that I can step out of my comfort zone and be able to do more for the church, be a, an example for people, I guess, and just, just be there for them. I mean, that was kind of the whole point of my life group is that I wanted it to be something that wasn't like you show up and feel like you need to be a certain way or, you know, it's just a relaxed environment where you can come and open up about whatever you want to talk about or, you know, just hang out, drink coffee, and just be chill. <laughs> for more for life groups, I would still be being my introverted self, sitting at home, binge watching Star Trek. But um, life groups have kind of forced me in a way to step out of my comfort zone, meet new people, and make connections with people. It's been a good thing overall. Knowing what I know now, you know, actually actively being in life groups, I think I would probably tell my past self that it's something I should have got into a lot sooner, and I, I recommend it to anybody. Even if you are uncomfortable with being that social, I guess, it's definitely something to try. Come on, give it up for Joel. Dan started it. Well, what about Joel is he starts his coffee life group, and he's not, he's not new at this. And uh, you can't get Joel to stop his life group because he loves it so much. So you know what I'm saying? He just keeps it going and rolling. And uh, live long and prosper, my friend. Live long and prosper. Um, I'm not going to call myself a Trekkie. That's not happening. But, um, man, love you, Joel. Thanks so much for all you do. And he's back on the soundboard, by the way. He just kills it. So give it for Joel again. Come on. Let the guy know you love him. 
But I encourage you to jump into a group. Uh, I, I just love that Jesus leaves and goes, goes to the one. He loves the one. He loves the one more than he loves us because he's running for somebody who needs hope. But he left us. He left us the 99 together. So I encourage you to get connected in a group. Don't do life alone. Uh, it's a recipe for disaster. If you're on the dream team, you serve. Man, you got to have people pouring into you and uh, pouring into the people. So, man, just don't do it yourself. If you do it yourself, it's like putting an expiration date on, on your spiritual growth and on burnout. You're going to get burned out. So jump in. If you're new with us, maybe uh, been a few weeks or a few months, they've never been a life group, man, check it out. There's so many good ones. I know I'm hosting one. If you like to build things, Hope Center, come on, build some hope. Um, we'll pray. We'll get spiritual, and then we're going to put you to work. I'm just kidding. No, seriously, it's going to happen. Um, so don't sign up for that one if it don't work. But um, anyway, I just love you guys. I'm really excited this season. Get signed up. They launch next Sunday. It's going to be a great time. Uh, I'm going to have Brian. Give him Brian one more time. And uh, phenomenal job, seriously, dude. Just preach down the house. Go ahead and run out there a little bit. Give Brian some encouragement on the way out the door. If you need prayer for anything, come on up here. We're praying up here. And uh, remember, guys, whoever finds Jesus discovers. Come on. See you guys next Sunday. Take it easy.